You're listening to the See the Unseen podcast, where our number one focus is creating a little visibility for people who deserve a whole lot of spotlight. I'm your host, Melissa Georgioff, and I'm here to share some amazing stories that can transform and inspire lives. So get ready to take those blinders off and see the unseen. Welcome to the podcast. So I'm here today with Aaron Kellum. He is a pop singer-songwriter. He is originally from Bethalto, Illinois, and he shared the stage with acts like One Republic, Train, and Gin Blossoms. Mm-hmm. So, And he's been on a ton of reality shows, so I'm so excited to have you here, and welcome to the podcast, Listen, Aaron. Thank you so much. It's a treat to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, this. this is so fun. So let's just um, let's just talk about the elephant in the room, and that is the fact that you are from Bethalto, Illinois. Yes, yes. born and raised. That is awesome. Yeah. And you know, I felt I keep thinking about this um, Steel Magnolias quote. Um, you probably have never seen Steel Magnolias. I uh, I probably have. You can ask my wife about. That. I'm the like I could watch a movie yesterday and love it and be like fully engaged. Yeah. And, I couldn't quote a single thing about it and probably well, forget the plot line. Too. <laughs> I just keep, and I, you know, it's about the, you know, this lady's like, I know everyone in this town and I have not come across you. <laughs> so, <I love> <laughs> um, but I say, I think he's from Bethalto. So uh-huh. I saw that you were performing out in LA yep. and you're a pretty big deal out there in LA. I'm working on that. Yeah. Yeah. And we're yeah. going to talk about that. But I love the fact that um, you, you're, coming back here on this homecoming tour yes and um but you love the fact that you are and you're proud that you are from Bethalto, like your roots and i am too and so you know that's why i kind of started the podcast too is to you know make sure that kids that are from a small town know that you know no matter what your circumstances or what your history is or if you come from a small town or you don't have money like you can still be successful yes so what is your like Okay, so you tell me about growing up in Bethalto. Yeah, so uh, I was really into sports growing up. So sports were my life. Baseball first, uh, soccer, uh, basketball. And so growing up, that was like all I was doing. We were traveling everywhere for me to play soccer or baseball. In high school, I was playing sports. Like That was a big thing. I started playing guitar in eighth grade and it was kind of like the hobby thing to do in high school uh myself and nolan wright who's a big part of my journey and my story we started uh like a little punk band in his parents basement and so i was playing music in high school i was singing at the lutheran church here in town oh really Uh, zion yep Zion. okay yeah yeah. i grew up at zion i went to school uh, through sixth grade at zion so uh, that was our church for a really long time harley schmidt at zion was teaching me how to play acoustic guitar and kind of sing in the church uh world and so it was a part of my life in high school but definitely sports was like the main thing i didn't okay. really talk a lot about music i listened to it a lot but that wasn't any part of my focus i wasn't in choir i wasn't in theater i wasn't doing any of that stuff i wish i would have uh and then in college it was kind of this fork in the road of i really want to play soccer in college and i think i can get a scholarship to play soccer but i also am like kind of intrigued with this music stuff and at the time, I think I was looking into um, becoming like a worship director or pastor at a church. Okay, um, so we're going to, I definitely want to talk yeah. about that. But like, let's go back. Like you, you're from CM, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so what year did you graduate? Oh, four. 
2004. Oh, oh my gosh, cool. I had a four-year-old um, then and a nine-year-old. So um, amazing. <laughs> um, okay, so you you're going to high school here in uh-huh. a small town. You weren't you weren't in music or anything like that. Not in the school. I was. I mean, we were playing a lot. I would go to Nolan's house. Um, Every week, we were starting to write music, and we were playing a lot in his basement. I think we were playing shows on the weekends at uh, like the Roundhouse in Wood River. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I remember yeah. the Roundhouse. We were playing there a lot. It's not there anymore, right? That's sad. Yeah, I, I don't think it is, and anybody does it's, that. Hurts but, my heart. Yeah, so we were doing a lot of that kind of VFW halls. I think the first okay. show we ever played was in his basement, and so it was. It's interesting because it was a big part of my life, but also. It was just so drowned out by sports that it wow. it was like a fun thing. And, I, you know, it's that I'm from a, a small town, so this could never be an actual career for me. So I like wouldn't even put it in my head that that could be what I do for the rest of my life. So who wanted you to be in all these sports? Did you? I did, for sure. Okay. Yep. So you were just focused on sports. You didn't even think about having a career in music at that time? Not really, no. I mean, there's like the big dreamer in me that's like, this could be amazing. But it was that... You hear a lot, especially in a small town, because it seems so hard to be able to to have a career in something creative. And so I think all of that of like, well, that's cool, but like, what's what's plan B or what's that? You hear that a lot. And so I just think I never in high school thought that it was a reality. So mm-hmm. I didn't let it really sit at the forefront, even though right. when I'm playing these shows, I'm like, this would be cool to do this forever. But it was like, well, that can never happen. So just push that down. Right. It's like s- sports could be an option to get yeah, I mean, that totally makes sense. And like, when I think about it, even in my life is that, you know, because I didn't come from money, and I didn't even know there were these opportunities out there. And I think a lot of kids don't even know what they don't know. So exactly. Like for me, I was like, well, we don't have, you know, money. I know that um, only the rich kids go to college. And so I'm going to go out to Lewis and Clark because that's what I can afford to do. Alma mater. And uh, right. So and then I thought, you know, maybe I'll be a flight attendant or a secretary because that's what you know, my parents can afford what I can afford to do. And it wasn't until, you know, later somebody believing in you or saying, you know, there's this other bigger world out there. And, you know, and that's why I'm passionate about coaching, mentorship and things like that. And I love that you are saying the same thing. It's like, there is this little bit like this voice going, oh, you're from a small town. You'll never amount to anything. You you know, you can't go out to L.A. and hang with all these celebrities oh, yeah. and get on stage with gin blossoms. And, you know, right. You know, so, yeah. So tell me more about that. Like, you know, what what was it that, you know, you was like a breakthrough for you? Yeah, I'm trying to think what if there was like ever a turning moment. I, a big part of it is that I had parents who. We were by no means uh, extremely wealthy, um, didn't come from a lot of money, but I had parents who just fully believed in me. And I know a lot of people don't have that opportunity where parents, like, it was never, well, that's cute some, but, like, when are you going to do the real thing? It right. was like, if you want to play soccer, put your mind to it, play soccer. Like, we, we're supporting you 100%. If that's what you want to do, do that. And so they're a big part of when I finally decided, like, no, I think I think this music industry is the way I want to go. They uh, were just like, great, we we got your back. If that's what you want to do, like, go do that. And so that's a big part of it. I think I started traveling with music um, in college, and the first tour that I did, probably specifically with the Jim Blossoms, I was in a band called One Lone Car, and we went out on tour with the Jim Blossoms. And I think 
the first show we did was a theater in Pennsylvania, a sold out theater. And I think that was probably the moment where it like flipped like, oh no, this, I want to do this the rest of my life. And I believe that this is actually possible because I'm on a stage looking out at a extremely packed theater. So this, so cool. this is now a reality that this could be my life. So, okay, so how did that come how did that come about? Like you don't just say, I want to go play on stage and open up for Jim Blossom. <laughs> I wish right? it was that easy. That'd yeah, be incredible. Right. So yeah. like how how did that come about? Yeah, so at that time uh, I was actually in a band called Bear Hug Jersey before one the car. And uh, I think all guy all guys from Bethalto except for our drummer, he was from Roxana. And we were good friends with one the car. And uh, just circumstances happened where I started playing guitar for One Lone Car, and then their singer ended up leaving, so I just became the singer of the band. And that was, uh, my first show with them was with Jim Blossoms in Pennsylvania. But the drummer of that band, uh, Andy Heron, he was like extreme go-getter. He, uh, from Alton, and he would just like send out cold call emails all the time to so many different people. And he just built a relationship with the guys from the Jim Blossoms uh, just through cold call or cold typed emails whatever yeah. you call it and so it that was all because of him he was he was just such a go-getter uh when yeah. it came to that you know sometimes people think there's this like magic thing that you know oh you've gotta you know you have to have the all these different connections but you know for me I, first of all i love connecting with people mm -hmm. and developing relationships so networking for me is just like you know gets me excited yep. and so but you know that's what i'll do just send out an email or just you know like when i had dayton weber on um a couple weeks ago my daughter is like sends me this instagram hey he would be cool on your podcast you know this guy has no arms no legs and he's a cornhole champion i'm like okay so i you know andy is like you're just gonna message him i'm like yeah. yeah and so i messaged him literally the next day he's like i want to be on your podcast I'm like so cool. that's how stuff happens it it's really like, is it, there's no like secret sauce it's like just do nope. the things but some people are uncomfortable reaching out right yeah yeah because you so, feel like I, I still get this way where it's like well i don't know if i'm quite at the level yet where they're like they would think it's a good idea because i do a lot of like hey love to write with you or like love to open a show for you right and there's still that little thing inside of me like you haven't done enough yet to deserve the chance to work with that person so i totally get it but honestly it's like an email so let's talk about that why is it you know look you have you've done it so much and we're gonna yes. get to all the things that you've done um but it's like you still have that little voice in your head that's like i'm not good enough or i haven't done enough or whatever and and we, you know, you and I kind of talked about this before we even got on the podcast is like, maybe that is like, oh, because I'm from a small town or something. And I don't understand why that is because, but even in the corporate world, I've had a lot of people who've kind of made fun of, oh, you're from Bethalto, Illinois, you know, and, um, you know, and I have to, you know, come from some Ivy League uh, school to do cool things. Right. It's like, you know, just because that you have some big degree or, you know, or it doesn't make you the smartest person in the world. I'm not the smartest person in the world, but like, you know what? It's doing the hard work every single day. And so, you know, I think that's almost like the devil talking, you know, mm -hmm. and I think even for you, I mean, I know that um, from what I've read about you yeah. is that your, um, you know, your faith is really important to you. Yep. But why do we allow like the devil to keep like controlling almost your mind instead of listening to what God says about us? Right. I you wish, know. I wish I had a great answer for that because <laughs> things would change. Yeah. I, I just think we all have so many insecurities in ourselves, and I think it's so easy. Uh, I think we talked a little bit about this. When I am, 
operating in my why in life. Like I did a lot of work um, probably in 2017 with a dear friend named Brad Williams of figuring out why, like, why are you on this planet? A very clear, almost like you see so many people who have a mission statement, a one-liner of like, this is why we operate. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I did a lot of work and f like figured out my why in life is uh, to lead people to and through love. Like I want people to see me loving others well to encourage them to also love others well and to feel loved. And so if I'm operating in that, no matter what I'm doing, that little devil on my shoulder has no voice. Like right. that he could scream as loud as he wants and I, there's, this ear is blocked from hearing any of that. Sure. When I start operating outside of that and start operating in, uh, well, they're, they'll want to work with me because of how good I am at what I do, mm -hmm. that's when that little voice starts kicking in and I have trouble quieting it because all my worth in that moment is then in, well, have you written good enough songs? Have you worked with the right people? Have you done the right things? And when my head starts doing that, those are the moments where I start feeling like, well, I'm not good enough. But if I know like, no, no matter who I'm in a room with, I have the opportunity to lead them to and through love. And no matter what I've done, no matter what kind of songs I've written, no matter who I've worked with, that is going to trump all of that. And we're going to have an amazing experience. So for me, that's, those are the times when I'm not like conscious and operating in my why in life, that's when that voice gets louder and louder because it's so hard to quiet it when I'm trying to operate in the things I do to prove my worth. Right. In the same way I think about in business too, you know, my why has always been, you know, people with disabilities and, you know, I wanted to fight for them mm -hmm. and make sure they get the coverage they need and all those things. And then when I allowed myself to do this kind of creative thing with the podcast, it yeah. was like, well, you know, maybe when I get in my head about like, why am I doing this? Who's going to listen to this? Like, who even cares mm -hmm. about, you know, if I spend an hour and a half talking to this artist or that artist or whatever, or they're going to be like, why is she talking to? an LA pops, you know, singer songwriter, <laughs> right. why, you know, who does she think she is or whatever. Um, but I have to remember, you know, to continue to tell myself the why is for me creating visibility for people who deserve the whole spotlight. And maybe that's that little chip on my shoulder. That's like, I don't, you know, I'm from Bethalto and I'm proud of being from Bethalto yeah. in a small town and I can be in the small town and I can go travel around the country um, and, you know, but, you know, you, when you start thinking about, like, you have something to prove, I always got to remember my why. I want to help other people. I want them to see that, hey, I've been able to be successful and be vulnerable enough like you are doing right now. It's like sharing your vulnerabilities mm -hmm. and, like, you don't have to be perfect, yeah. um, you know. And I think for me, that's what it is, is just remembering, like, I want to fight for the underdog. Yeah. And help women or young people grow in their career, help singer-songwriters get their message out, like yeah. why they write the songs behind the, uh, or the, write the stories behind the songs, and, and then share my faith. Yeah. So if what that's you're doing. You turn the camera on, these are on, yeah. that's what you do. You, yeah. yeah, so like if it's one person, it's helping, but like sometimes we think we have to do something huge. Yeah. And it's like if you're helping just one person, you know, along the way, then that's that's okay. Too. That, yeah, that's huge. Like you're sharing God's love with people, and and like you're doing things to bring kindness to people, mm -hmm. and and that's your, you know, just reminding yourself of like who you are, yep. and and not trying to be anybody else. Totally. Like, you know what? I used to tell. Okay, so I dated this guy and. I ended up marrying him, but um, he he was kind of a you know he was a wealth advisor and he was from St. Louis and his family came from money and you know it also used to tick me off because I made all, he lost his job and then I made all the money mm -hmm. and 
they thought I was like some gold digger or something because I was blind. <laughs> um, but he used to be like, oh, you can't take the country out of the small town. I'm like, girl, or something like that. Uh-huh. You know, like making snotty comments. And I was like, you know what? There is nothing better than a putting on a pair of jeans and going having a beer at the homecoming and right. a funnel cake. Seriously. And I was like, when I can meet a guy who can live in the world of my business world mm-hmm. and love the fact that I can just go up to the Bethalto homecoming yes. in a couple weeks yes. and have a beer and a funnel cake and I don't have to be anybody then you know what yep. that's a good that's when life is good yep. yep so anyway I don't know how why I got off on that no, cake, I, but anyway I love, love the, the homecoming yeah so um which we should talk about the homecoming too coming up Damn. um but you've got this hat that says yes. be kind yes and so Product placement. you've got a bunch of merchandise stuff so tell me about that yes and where this all this like kindness and comes from yeah um so specifically the brand so when i started making music as a like solo artist aaron kellum because starting in high school kind of through 2017 ish it was always a band or a duet it was always me and somebody else and 2017 is when i decided i think it's time to just present myself as aaron kellum to the world uh i think I love the band things. I love being in a duet. But I also think it was always kind of a crutch for me. If things didn't work out, it could be somebody else's fault, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to carry all the weight of this failing. And so I think I was a little nervous, even though I kind of always knew, like, I kind of want to be in control of the messaging and all of that. Because I think um, I think what I have to offer uh, can really change some lives. And I think I've, I was a little hesitant to just go out as me. So uh, in 2017, I started releasing music as a solo artist, as Aaron Kellum. And I was trying to do new merch for every song I released. So my first song I released was called Love You Better. And so I made a shirt with some logo on it for Love You Better. Okay. Uh, then I did one for my second song called Got You Baby. And the first song I had somebody else make it. The second song, Forgot You Baby, I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be doing this for every song I release, this is going to be a lot of money to pay somebody. And when you do it through a third party and they ship it to you, it makes more sense to buy at least 100 or more. Well, then you have to sell 100 shirts to make your money back. And I was like, this is a lot. And we live in LA, so there's not a lot of room to store all this merch. So it was like, I think I want to buy like a press so I can just make my own. That way, if somebody wants one shirt, I can make one shirt. And so if I got you, baby, I get this press. And of course, I don't read the directions on how to do anything because it's so easy. And so I have it. It says, got you, baby, real big. I just want it like big and bold. Mm-hmm. And so I hit the press, pull the press up, rip off. There's like a pl- piece of plastic you pull off. I hold it up and it's like, that's backwards. <laughs> that's not it. That's not the right way. And of course, I didn't read the directions when you cut out the vinyl you have to hit this one little button (laughs) that flips it right and so it's like well you know what it kind of looks cool and so i kept that and that was good so i sold that one and then for the next song i started thinking you know what i kind of want to make merch where anybody could wear it if they know me don't know me and they would enjoy wearing it they would like want to whatever it says they would want to represent that thing and so Kindness has really just been like the forefront of my life, my entire life. I think I get a lot of it uh, from my parents. They're just like the kindest people on planet Earth. They're just very generous and very giving. Uh, My mom is like so tender and just the way that she interacts with other human beings. And so I get a lot of that from them. 
And so as I'm thinking through like what what message would I want to give to the world that's very obviously Aaron Kellum, but at the same time, you don't have to know that. And so uh, I was like, okay, be kind. That's, that is my messaging. I want to do that. And I started thinking, because if you go anywhere, you go to Target, you go to Walmart, you're going to see a shirt that says, be kind. There could be a B on it, whatever. So it's like, I'm going to get lost in all of that. So like, how can I do this to where it's very uniquely me and it says exactly what I want it to say, uh, but it's not lost in all that. And so I start thinking, I was like, okay, wait a second. That backwards thing was pretty cool with Got You Baby. That was an accident, but it kind of worked. Like I liked, it's just, it looked interesting. Well, if you're in the mirror, it actually would be. Right. Then you, you're looking at it and you're reading it yourself. Right. And so that's what clicked in my head. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's, that's exactly what, that is my offering of the world of be kind. Like, I think we get very caught up in telling everyone else how to live their lives. Mm -hmm. We look at somebody and we say, well, you need to live differently so this world can be different. While we're just sitting here in our little grumpy chair and telling everybody what to do and we're not doing anything to change the world or see the kind of change we want to see. So I was like, that's perfect because if it's backwards, then you can only read it in a mirror. And then wow. it's, a it's a reminder to yourself to treat everyone else with kindness. So when you look at it in the mirror, you're like, oh shoot, that's right, I'm wearing this shirt to be kind, so I better be kind. And a good reminder for a lot of people, they take it and they look at it and they it's a reminder to be kind to themselves because so often we're the least kind to ourselves. Right. And so it's just had a lot of meanings to it. I love and, that. Uh, yeah, it, it was meant to be just merch for music and then yeah. it just quickly turned into like becoming its own brand and everything so isn't that crazy incredible. how like an accident a mistake a mistake and first <laughs> yeah. of all it's just crazy that you're like making your own printing your own t-shirts <laughs> right. out in LA you know do what you gotta but do. it's fun that you know you just were like I'm gonna do this and I love that and yeah. you know and I love that it was the mirror thing you mm -hmm. know that um and and I think of that too like when I'm like you know I'm sitting here telling people, you know, get out there, be courageous, you know, uh, and I think, and that's why one day I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, you know what, I, you know, I'm not going out there getting on my headset. I have a podcast and I have a, a vehicle to mm -hmm. have this communication. And if I'm, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. So yeah. if I need, if I need to look inside and that's what you're like, I, I have to have one of those t-shirts too. Yes, so I tell me you. where, yep, tell the you. viewers, like, how do they get these t-shirts? Um, yeah, AaronKellum.com, A-A-R-O-N-K-E-L-L-I-M. So right now, it's still just kind of under my merch. There's a tab that says merch, or you can do AaronKellum.com forward slash merch. Uh, it's all there. Um, eventually, it will be its own website and entity, but that's a lot of work uh, yeah, for me is. right now to, to do all that. So uh, it's still under the, the merch tab on my, my website, yeah. AaronKellum.com. So, you know, being a singer-songwriter, do you find yourself like you're you know it's yeah some people have marketing people but you almost have, you have to do a lot of things yourself right a ton of things yeah yeah so the beautiful thing uh it, what i've been really learning the past um probably three years specifically but i've kind of known this for a while but the past three years have been just proof in the pudding a lot of times and this goes back also to being from a small town with uh it feels so hard to do what we do as creatives, specifically for me as a songwriter. It seems virtually impossible uh, when you think about it from the lens of living in Bethalto. That we oftentimes feel like this with our everything that we do. Like, I can't give out information to anybody else because that might give them an opportunity and take one away from me. I don't want to write music with anybody else because, like, it's already hard enough to make music. So if I add one more piece, person to that pie, then that's half the money for me. So coming from here, that was a big eye-opener. Like, 
no, you really need a team of people around mm -hmm. you to do this and be successful with it. And you have to be willing to give up a little bit of the pie to other people. And so we've been building this beautiful community in LA. Um, my friend Jay Denton owns Endure Studios. And it has just been all about building a team of people who are very like-minded, who uh, are kind of like contradictory to the way the industry works and handling splits and things like that. And so I have a team of producers, songwriters around me who uh, we're just working together to do everything. And oftentimes they're helping me create content, do different things like that. And so the team of people around you, because like you said, it is so much to do. I'm, I'm having to think this whole tour, so I'm on this homecoming tour right now. Mm -hmm. I'm barely thinking about the shows. I'm thinking about okay, I need video of this moment, I need video of this moment, how do I do that because I'm only one person, mm -hmm. I gotta I gotta put this post up to remind people to come to the show, I gotta make sure ticket sales are going well, I gotta, all these different things. Yeah. And so the team of people that you build around you and you have to really like believe in each other's why and purpose and what they're doing because if it's just, oh, you're cool and write good music, I'm cool, I write good music, let's do it, like that's, that's so surface level and that dies right. very quickly. If you have like deep understandings of why everyone's doing what they're doing. So I've been building that uh, with Jay and some of the team, Brittany Book out there at Endure Studios, which has been amazing. And I just took on management, Christopher Meek. He's out of Provo, Utah. And he is, he and I have kind of been working together for two years. I've been writing for a lot of his artists and having him on my team now to help with a lot of that, like how do you do it all, right. has been incredible. He's He's like thinking of things that, I just put on the back burner because yeah. it's like stuff I need to think about because like, I don't have time for that. And so um, the team of people that you build around you, um, even I think, again, you think I don't have the money to do that. I can't afford that. Um, if you really just believe in what each other are doing, you like you figure it out. You find ways yeah. to make it all work. Well, and that's a lot like in business. So, you know, and I, I try and think about it that way. Um, you know, for me, I'm kind of a control type A type uh -huh. person. And so, you know, if you want to be a bigger leader, you have to empower others and you have to learn to delegate. And yeah. it's scary to let go of control. Oh, like, yeah. oh, if, so, if I let somebody else do this with my music, like that, what if they don't do a good job? So mm -hmm. it's about trusting in your yeah. team. And then it sounds like, too, with you, it's like all along the way that you are encouraging your team and you're explaining the why you're doing what you're doing. Yep. So that it's not like people that are on your marketing team are just going to go out there and say, you know what, Aaron, listen to Aaron Kellum because he's this pop, L.A. pop singer, songwriter, right. you and know, and everything. don't F you. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Not, that's not yeah. on brand at all. Right. That's yeah. not who you are. Exactly. And they're a reflection of you. Yep. And so, and that for me, like that's my team was a reflection of me. So yeah. it's continuing to educate them. And people don't realize what all goes into, like they might look at you and are like, oh, you know, he probably just, you know, gets up on stage and starts, you know, singing and he shows up and that's all he does. Right. right. But then it's, it takes a village, it you does. know. I mean, Tommy Carlos was here on my first podcast, and right. he's a singer songwriter, and he's had a number one hit with um, Montgomery Gentry, and and wrote a song I for Blake Shelton. And but you know what? It takes a village. And it's like, hey, Tommy, you know, he's out there putting posters up all over, you know, the area, and I'm like, Tommy, you don't you don't have time for that. Give give me the posters, <laughs> like. And then I'm thinking. Well, I don't really have a lot of time either, but <laughs> right. I'm like, you know what? It takes everyone that, that believes in you to like yep. get the word out. And, yep. you know, it's, and I think that's great that, you know, you are recognizing it though. It's like, you know, I got to let a little bit go and then trust my people yeah. and let your manager kind of handle things too. But, but it, it also shows how much you care about, you know, your reputation and mm -hmm. making sure that people are representing you the right way. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge factor in it. Cause that, 
you can get a lot of really talented people around you, but that really means nothing if they don't like fully understand who right. you are as an artist or where you're or, going. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's so important. So your mom, so you have this be kind and you say that your parents were really just were so kind and, mm -hmm. and they believed in you. And my mom was my biggest cheerleader. Um, she um, passed away in 2010 mm -hmm. uh, from uh it was colon cancer, um, the radiation, and everything from that. Um, yeah, no, it's okay. Um, but you, you know, tell me a little bit about like you know growing up with parents like that, and what your parents mean to you, and um, you know, and what they're doing. How, you know, what do they think of you today, being a you know pop singer? Yeah, they're so proud. They're like I'm staying with them the next couple of days because we played last night in uh, Lewis and Clark. We got tonight in Bethalto, so we've been with them. We got in town Thursday. Uh, and they're just like ear to ear grinning. They're just so proud of me. So it's it's so encouraging. But they, um, I just like they were so focused on how like seeing other people. I just remember uh, anytime anyone like did something for us, gave something to us, it, like anything was you know say thank you, please thank you. But it was all like I just remember everything was directed on like seeing other people, making sure that other people knew that you were grateful for them, making sure they knew, like, you appreciated the things that they did for you. Mm -hmm. And so I think that has a lot to do with, because, like, to a fault, I'm very conscious of other people over myself. Like, if I'm in a room with somebody, I care way more that they're comfortable than I do care if I'm comfortable. And I think I, I get a lot of that from them because they're the same. Like, if we go out to eat, the way that they treat the waiter or waitress, mm -hmm. they're just, like, so kind to make sure they tip them a ridiculous amount of money every time and so that that how how they've like shown me how to see other people i think has been one of the greatest gifts um they just see through this lens of love and grace and humility and i think that's changed everything for me that makes you who you are today Massively. is your yeah. mom and dad mm -hmm. yeah a hundred percent yeah yeah that's awesome yeah um you know, if you don't mind, let's. I know you mentioned. Let's talk about your mom for a minute, yeah, yeah. because you mentioned that um, when we were talking before the podcast. We, you know, I said that I was very involved um, with the ALS Association. I just mm -hmm. had Kate Linder from The Young and the Restless. She's the celebrity spokesperson for ALS. Um, yes. And like, I'm like, this is almost like um, get me up, you know, emotional. But mm -hmm. like, it was. Sometimes I think there's divine connections, like why you meet certain people. Yeah. And um, you said that your mom was diagnosed with ALS just like three weeks ago. Yeah, not very recently. Yeah, she's been um, the past two years um, just kind of health issues, um, having trouble walking, just feeling very dizzy. She would like constantly be having to hold on to a wall or like stabilize herself. Um, a few things like with her speech where it was feeling a little slurred or like hard for her to get certain words out. Um, like it almost felt like mini strokish but then it's like no because the other things aren't adding up to that and so they spent two years going to all these appointments different doctors different neurologists trying to figure out what the heck is going on with her and it was just been wildly frustrating to like your body's failing you and you have no idea why and there's no explanation to any of it and so they finally went to a neurologist at wash u and uh, they were able to diagnose her with als which is obviously 
not at all what you want to hear or like just a devastating diagnosis. But at the same time, there's just this weird relief in knowing mm. that, okay, this is what we have and here's the next steps with that. And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a journey for sure and still trying to process everything and knowing what, you know, life is going to look different for a little while. And, um, but honestly, it's been like kind of bittersweet because every moment now just feels like so special. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I I've av advocated for people with ALS my for thirty years of my career, and it is the, one of the most you know horrible diseases because your mind is fine and right. it's all of these things that are like shutting down and i don't think people even know what these people what the challenges are that yeah. they face like i i work for a ventilator company and you think you know uh it's a no-brainer that people need to be able to breathe um and i'm fighting for right with certain health breathe. plans to get them to pay for a ventilator for someone to breathe mm -hmm. so you know or get a complex wheelchair or whatever you know eventually but you know, I think that there, you know, th there's so many people advocating and tr to find a, ca uh, a cure for yeah. ALS. And, you know, and Kate was really passionate. She's like, we, there will be, we will find a cure. Right, right. You know, her brother-in-law, um, you know, had, had ALS and everything. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, first of all, I'm just so sorry yeah, that, 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 but it, you know, when you sit there and say that, you know, at least you have answers and that, you know, that every moment counts mm -hmm. and, you know, and along the way that, um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I hope that if there's anything that I can ever do to we help or whatever, um, I know that there, you know, I have people, um, Steve Gleason is looking, uh, he has no white flags, you know, ALS, and he, he'll like be so like, ALS sucks and just, you know, uh -huh. F ALS, you <laughs> right. know, and stuff. And For so, um, you know, he's super passionate. He literally has no movement in his whole body, but he's, he said, you know, what's crazy is he, to your whole kindness thing mm -hmm. he says that he is the most happiest now i mean he was the kicker for the new orleans saints he's been on microsoft commercials and everything he has no move his whole body but his eyes and he use, he operates his wheelchair from his eyes now but he says he he's never been happier he had a bait he had two babies while he's had ALS. Wow. his wife and him like documented his whole journey mm -hmm. um it's uh it's called gleason um which you should Maybe you yeah. should not watch it. But um, anyway, I just I want to extend, you know, anything I can do to I help. And, and I think it's great that you, you know, are just vulnerable enough to share something that you're you and your family are going through right now. And mm -hmm. and, you know, hopefully just allow the, you know, community, even Bethalto, like allow this community to just you know, love on her yeah. and pray, for, and I'll be praying for her. Thank you. Um, and, you know, I would ask everyone here to just, um, you know, pray for her and Appreciate make that. know that, um, you know, God's got it, right? Mm -hmm. It's all in God's hands, and yeah. this is only temporary. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been really, it's been really cool already seeing community just rallying around her. And I think almost overwhelming to the point of like, we we can cook dinner for ourselves and like everyone's stepping up to bring food. Yeah. Not you keep bringing food. That, don't, <laughs> that wasn't. But yeah. Now what street are, does she live on here in Bethalto? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're over in Heatherland, Crestmore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll send food that way. Yeah, they've been great. Just like 
every time I talk to them, it's like, oh, well, so-and-so brought food over, so-and-so came over to visit. So it's been really cool to see people rally around her. And yeah, it's I didn't know much about ALS at all before this and uh, just now kind of learning. And there's yeah, so much that I just think, like you said, people don't realize mm-hmm. what people go through who have ALS. So it's, yeah, it's been a learning thing for me too and just trying to navigate it the best I can. Right. And especially when you're out, you know, touring and everything else, it's like, you know, people don't realize, like, you got a lot of stuff going on, too, in, yeah. the, in your personal life. Yeah. But, um, well, let's let's transition into something um, a little bit fun. I love uh, that. Let's talk about, um, first of all, your music has been on a bunch of reality it shows, sure right? Yeah. Like, The Ultimatum. Uh-huh. Um, love is Blind. Temptation Island. Okay. A few others. There's a, there's a Hollywood house lift with Jeff Lewis is another one that almost every episode, I feel like they've got some of my music on it. It's been, it's been a lot. Is yeah. it the background music? What it, What is it? What, uh, what it's mostly background, yeah. So either you'll hear it a lot when they're transitioning from scene to scene. Like if you're watching um, something like Love is Blind, it's like they're sitting in their living room talking and then it's like a shot of the city to get you over to the next scene. That's okay. my music we playing there. Or... Um, a lot of times if there's a moment, uh, love is blind. I feel like has been kind of more so this, like they do their best to have the lyrics of the song match the scene almost to the point that you think it was written for the scene. Okay. Cause a lot of people think uh, there's like different, um, uh, blogs out there or different write-ups articles where people are like, there's no way that they just happened to find this music that worked so perfectly for this thing. And one of our songs is actually one that they were talking about in an article on uh, some major publication. I forget what it was. But it's like, uh, the song is before we're leaving here. It's, I forget this scene, but like she says a word in the scene and it's this very dramatic thing. And then the song plays and it's like, exactly what she just said, but in the form of a song. Yeah, you're like, I meant to do that. Yeah, it's very, yeah, obviously on purpose. Uh yeah, so it's it kind of happens all over the place, but mostly background. Uh, we actually just recently, um, I don't know if I actually I can't I don't know if I can say that we're we're working can, on. We're in Bethalto. You can really say anything you want. <laughs> uh, uh, lawyers are good at catching right. a lot of things. Yeah, uh, well, my lawyer was like, "Oh yeah, you know, it's minimal risk uh, with a podcast." And I'm like. Yeah, until you start talking about singer-songwriters and copyright exactly. laws. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, maybe he doesn't know everything that's not going to be on my podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah, so yeah. we uh, just wrote a theme song for a show. And okay. I, I think I could say at least that. And so we're waiting for the final word on all that. But So that would be a little, uh, a little more predominant because that would obviously play every time the show comes on as okay. the theme song of the show. So how did you get on these, like, um, and I didn't know what the ultimatum was until I looked it up the other night on Netflix, and uh-huh. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is terrible! Like, that's a bad plan. Like, to go in, <laughs> yes. to go in, and like, I'm going to give him an ultimatum because I really want to get married, and, and if he doesn't, I'm going to go on with this dude oh, or whatever." Yeah, some it, of it's uh, some of it's hard to stomach. <laughs> yeah, or Temptation Island. It was oh, yeah. like, "Oh yeah, how about I bring my my partner, and then you know, bring with all these different women that um, are all his, you know, or all different types, and then see." if he can be tempted and if he can't then we're, we're meant to be together i'm like that is an awful plan and strategy that's yeah. the devil for sure you, yeah you definitely <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't use that as uh, relationship advice no uh, but the um 
there's a company called Atrium Music, and they are a licensing company. And so they're kind of middleman when a show like uh, Temptation Island is looking for music. They have like trusted partners who they know uh, can get music without any issues with the uh, publishing or anything like that. And so Atrium gets a catalog of music that they can pitch to these shows when they're looking for certain music. And so um, Jay specifically at Endure Studios has um, just built this amazing relationship with Atrium and the owners there. And so by proxy, he introduced me and now I have a really great relationship with them. And so... Uh, Right now, it's basically any song that I write as an artist, I'm sending to them, and then they're just pitching it to, to all these different shows, which has been incredible. And then they're, they're also the reason that uh, we just had the opportunity to write the theme song for the show, because they'll get that as well. So they've been just incredible to us. Did you ever think that your music was going to be playing on, on these all these different shows, these reality shows? You know, I had a random opportunity when I was in Bear Hug, Jersey, and this was, I think, the year after I graduated, I think that's when this was, where I had, uh, we had as a band, a couple songs on The Hills on MTV. It was so strange. One of the guys in One Long Car somehow, probably cold email, uh, got information and they were looking for music. He sent me the email from them and then like literally just like, great, we want these two songs, sign this paper. Your right. songs on the show. So I had a taste of it. MTV uh, back in like, is that, you were, not, I don't know, when were you born? 85. Okay. So yeah, you, you didn't probably watch MTV, did you? Or I did, yeah. Okay. Back when like TRL was a thing. Okay. Yeah. And then that's when they started venturing into kind of the reality world okay. with, with the hills and I think Laguna Beach might have been MTV possibly. And so I had a taste of it then, but I didn't think... That always seemed like the hardest barrier in this industry was figuring out how to get into that world of having, because just because one guy put it on MTV like doesn't mean I can get it anywhere else. Right. And that might be the only time he ever responds to another email from me. Like you just never know. Mm -hmm. And so I had a taste of it then, but I didn't know that it would be to the extent that it is now. This is a big part of my career. Okay. So, yeah. and but isn't that funny? And when you get a little taste of something, it keeps you wanting more and mm -hmm. more. And then, you know. Let's just let's talk about your music a little yeah. bit, yeah? Okay, because like that's a big deal. Um, a little bit, yeah. The yeah. fact that you are opening up for Train, Gin Blossoms, One Republic, like, okay, tell me more about your pop music. And yeah. when I first pulled you up, I looked at your you sing a lot of Christian music too, uh -huh. um, which we want to talk about as yeah. well. Happy to, um, but you know, being in LA, I would imagine it is couldn't be cutthroat massively. You're, you're now opening up for all these big name bands and, or I don't know, do you call them acts? I'll More call them bands, yeah. Bands, yeah. acts, or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, and, that, and so you're doing all of that. Let's talk about all of the things that you're doing in LA and then also kind of move towards like your hometown yeah. uh, tour. I love that. Uh, so the, the Jim Blossoms train, uh, One Republic, that was when I was in Well Known Car and we were opening for all those groups. And so that was just like pretty much the big like fire inside of me. Like, okay, you can do this. This could be a living. It, it's You're capable of doing these things. It taught me so much about performing. It taught me so much about being on the road uh, because we were traveling for a few months at a time where we were just nonstop out playing shows, figuring out where to sleep, doing it all again, driving 12 hours, playing a show, doing it all again. So I was that was like really where I learned uh, like professionalism 
uh, because there's so many things you load in, you have to deal with the sound people and the egos can get involved. So you just really learn how to kind of do the dance and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so that period of time, which would have been like 2007, eight, I think it was that time period. I was doing all of that. And that was a big, um, just learning and amazing experience. And so 2017, uh, we moved to LA in 2013, but I was working at uh, a church, real life church, uh, as a worship leader there. And so I was kind of writing for other people, but I wasn't doing anything for my own personal music. 2017 is when I started the Aaron Kellen Project. And um, yeah, trying to do that in LA, it comes with a lot of different uh, bags to it. It's really great because I've built such an incredible team that I could not have built here the way I've built it there. Um, I mean, we could do long distance things. And I know there's other songwriters here, but mm -hmm. specifically the people who I'm surrounded with, I had to be there to do that, mm -hmm. uh, which has just been wonderful. The hard part about LA, LA is that everyone's trying to do, to do that there. So it, again, it's that whole, if I focus on this thought of everyone's trying to do this, why are you trying to do this? Mm -hmm. Then I'm just wrecked. It's like, well, I should quit then because mm -hmm. if this city how many millions of people a good percentage of them are trying to do what you're doing like just give up there's no point so if i let that mentality seep in that's like i'm in trouble um but the other hard part about la is playing shows in la which is a big part of why i wanted to do this homecoming tour when you go and play it's uh I don't want to try to explain LA too much, but there's the valley in LA, and then on there's like a hill, which is where like a lot of the very, very wealthy people live. And then on the other side is Hollywood. So we live in the valley, and then Hollywood is over the hill. And it's very close. It's like four miles to get to the other side, but it's LA, so it could also be an hour to get to the other side right. of the hill, depending on traffic. And so I'm 37. Uh, a lot of my friends are near that age. So if I'm playing a show in Hollywood, it's like, uh, I don't want to have to invite all these people to come to Hollywood because, you know, it could be <laughs> very hard to get there in the mm -hmm. first place. Parking is going to be a nightmare. It's probably going to be late, all these different things. Um, so you have your friends who come to the shows and then you do get a lot of other random people who like maybe don't know you. They're not random. They're humans and they matter, but random to your I music. What yeah. uh, they'll be there which is great, and you'll get a lot of people like, oh, that was so good, but 90 plus percent of those people are also songwriters, also trying to do what you do. So they enjoyed your music from the lens of, could we potentially work together? And so in LA, it's w at least what I've found, it is very, very hard to find it like a fan base who they're not friends who feel obligated to come. They're not just people who like potentially want to work with you, but they actually like, no, I love Aaron Kellen's music, so I'm going to come to a show. Mm -hmm. So LA has been very hard for the mindset of playing live music. And mm -hmm. you you start getting that feeling of, okay, I have to play live, but like, why am I doing, like, it doesn't seem to pay off or make sense doing it here, which is why um, the Homecoming Tour felt like, so right at the time because I was getting very frustrated with trying to play shows in LA, trying to build some sort of a um, an audience and a fan base. Because uh, I've been writing and releasing new music every single month for like almost the past three years. So I'm putting out a new song every month. And so it's like, I'm at that time of, I need to play this live. 
I need to see how it works live. And I was just getting so frustrated in Los Angeles trying mm-hmm. to play it live and get people's attention. And so I needed to do something to get out of LA to play these shows in front of people who like enjoy going out to hear live music. Right. There's no uh, like there's no other agenda for them. They just literally want to come out, hear great music, and have a good time. Right. Maybe say hello to you, maybe buy some merch, and then go home, and that's it. Yeah. And so, uh, setting up the homecoming tour, uh, that was a big part of everything. Of like, I just want to go to towns where not everyone's there because they want something from me. Wow. Which has happened, and it's been incredible. Like we played in Topeka, Kansas, on Tuesday of uh, this past week. And I have an uncle in Topeka, aunt and uncle. I say uncle because he was the one there. Uh, aunt and uncle um, who live in Topeka. And he was like, yeah, you should come to Topeka sometime. Uh, I think you would do well here. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily know that I have any fans in Topeka or um, like if people would come out. And we packed this little like 100-person theater. I think there were maybe close to 75 people there. Most of them have never heard me before. They're just coming out, taking a chance because they want to have a good time on a Tuesday night. They heard this uh, artist from LA is coming to town, like, let's check it out. And so moments like that where I look at a crowd of a full room and it's like, none of you guys have any clue who I am. Maybe you've heard my music because you wanted to figure out what you're walking into. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're just like, oh, my friend uh, Kevin Kellum said I should come. So we came. Right. And having an audience like that who are captivated, who are like really into what you're doing has been just this crazy momentum boost for me uh, this past week and now coming here for these shows. It's just, it's going to do so much good for my soul and remembering like, oh no, people in, like people enjoy just coming and listening. Yeah. That's a thing. Well, I think it's, yeah, it's like coming home, right? Because mm-hmm. like the hometown, I mean, yeah. there's something about coming home, whether oh, yeah. it's in your, you know, Bethalto is home for me, and and yeah. I I only spent about a year and a half living in St. Louis, but you know I've lived here my whole life, and uh, there's nothing like being in your hometown where people care about you, and you know it's very much I what it sounds like you know just like when you know Tommy Carlos is in Nashville and he's writing with all these people from Nashville, but he's doing tours locally because you know he's also like I gotta you know he has to fund his ability to write like mm-hmm. for him he didn't want to be an artist he wants to be a writer yeah, yeah and so but he has to figure out like because I thought he wanted to be an artist you know and he's like no I just want to be able to fund so that I can go <laughs> right. write I'm like but you kind of are an artist but anyway it's like you know and I think you like coming home it's like you're getting to do everything that you love in LA but then it, this is something that warms your heart yes. and warms your soul and yes. the people are like coming out genuinely for you and um, yeah so I saw that you were in Kansas mm-hmm. um, and then you were at Lewis and Clark last night yep. and then you're coming to the Locks Brick House and we have tickets we're going to be yes. there today so at pumped. Uh, 5 o'clock I guess we're going to have to get there super early or is it is it in the um like the the banquet part? It of is it? okay. Yep. Um, and then because I was like, how are they selling tickets and right, everybody goes to the restaurant? Yeah, you know, so we'll but, do it in the banquet room. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there's a there's a show at five o'clock and there's a show at seven o'clock tonight. Eight o'clock. Oh, eight o'clock. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Five and eight. Five and eight. Yeah. So maybe I'll be able to release this so that I can get it out there and everyone will know too that um that you're playing. So I'm looking forward to hearing you um sing tonight Thank you. too. Thank you. Um. But you also said that, um, so you're doing all these home tours. So where are you? You're here at Locks, and then where are you going from here? Then we go to Waterloo tomorrow. So I have family uh, in Waterloo. My aunt and uncle and their kids live there. And they're kind of, um, 
they're like pillar-ish. Like the town knows uh, the Matthews. Uh, they live out on a farm and they're just like kind of well-known in the town. So uh, I set that one up um, because I knew that they would just be great champions of getting people there. And um, and so that's, a, that's part of the tour. I did a, most of it in cities where I have family or friends who, uh, honestly, some of them I just hit up and said, hey, I would love to come to, like I hit up my aunt, I would love to come to Waterloo. Could you, like, do you want to set something up? Help right. me set something. So I kind of put it in the hands of other people, Yeah. Uh, which has been cool because now they feel like, oh, we got to get people out. We got to like rally the troops right. for this thing. And so Waterloo is tomorrow night, uh, or I guess afternoon, three to five. Uh, we're playing at a uh, wine bar. Wine, the wine. Oh, I should know the name. My gosh. Everything's jumbled together. There's a wine bar in, uh, in Waterloo. Waterloo. Yeah. There's probably not a lot of them in Waterloo, I would, maybe. I think that there wouldn't be. Yeah, okay, so. it's the one that's really cool yes. in Waterloo. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. the one you're playing at. Exactly, yeah, okay. yeah. So we're doing that, and then we head to Nashville. Um, Monday, we'll have a day off. To, uh, we're staying at the studio, because uh, Jay at Endure Studios has a Nash- uh, studio in Nashville as well. Tennessee, so, Nashville, Tennessee. Yep. Okay, because there is that's a Nashville, right. Illinois. That's right. Yeah. yeah okay. We'll be in Tennessee, and we're going to record a little bit of music Monday, and then we're d- throwing like a big house party um, for the last show of the homecoming tour. And we have a good amount of, of friends in Nashville now, and then they'll, by proxy, bring their crew in. So yeah. it's going to be a good little finale. Well, that's that's fun. Like you're you're in Nashville, but you're not singing country music, really. But then I mentioned that you know I had Charlie Brown. Um, he's a singer songwriter um, from Nashville. Uh-huh. He's from Bethalto. He's living in Bethalto now Amazing. too. And um, but you had mentioned that you had kind of reached out with him and like you know you guys are from the same area and that maybe you should get together and write. Yeah, you could have like a country pop mix. I would be down with that. Yeah, yeah he's he's great. I I knew of Charlie. Um, trying to think i did a show at uh a spot in bethalto it's now a church but i think it was but it was the not the casey hall oh my god oh you're talking about lightbrook church yeah that's our church oh really? my church yeah. what did it used to be it used to be ziggy's okay so it was a skating rink when i were oh, I, no, yeah, yeah, really yeah. this is way back in the day like when yeah, i'm yeah. in sixth grade we had ziggy's <laughs> with the disco ball and you know you'd speed skate and then you know couple skate and then it became a church years ago um right. we actually got our um beer um like kegerator from the church whenever they <laughs> when they became a church yeah, yeah. Uh, this was back when and then i never went to that church until um probably the last like five or six years and okay. so yeah that's our church uh now so. that's amazing yeah. yeah so i played there in between ziggy's and the church whatever it was it had a, oh yeah why, why am i like a casey hall but yeah it, it was the casey hall okay yeah yeah it was the casey hall it. we had weddings wedding receptions yeah. and everything yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah so i played there and someone mentioned and this is years i mean this is probably 15-ish years ago someone mentioned charlie and like how he was at that time like riding a lot in nashville and doing yeah. a ton but again that that is i'm operating at that time out of like i have to prove myself by my talent and so i like didn't even think to reach out to him or like oh you should connect me i would love to meet him like i was just like oh no he's he's doing the thing and i'm like playing to casey hall so there's no way that he would want anything to do with me so he was he was like kind of on my radar at that point in time but it wasn't until recently on facebook i somebody posted something and i think he commented on it's like oh like finally getting connected because yeah. I, I heard so much about you and I know that you're just like an absolutely incredible songwriter. So we've been, you know, just the minimal chatting back and forth, but I think, I think it'd be pretty amazing at some point. And yeah. now that we have the studio in Nashville, I think 
it would uh, make sense that we connect. And I know he's good friends with Tommy. Yeah, he's good friends with Tommy, and I've known him forever. And he yeah. was on the podcast Thursday night. Yeah. Um, but he's written uh, "What I Wouldn't Give" by Blake Shelton. Um, Amazing. And so, and he had a gold record from that. And um, you know, he grew up in Wood River and mm-hmm. um, went to and was a he's a high school teacher still. He's like okay. he has a cooking class. He has artwork he has a fishing show like i love that yeah he has everything going on um during covid he got bored and started doing like everything (laughs) yes um but yeah i mean he would be great for you to um and i'll connect you uh, too but um great yeah you guys should write a song together it'd be perfect yeah it'd be fun tommy's down there and he's tommy i because i was listening to his podcast this morning with on your show and he was talking about veterans project yes and jay who uh work out of the studio um i I really want to make this short because it could be a long story but it's important so jay and i first started really working together in 2017 18 19 2018 ish he did a project where he wrote an album with syrian refugees living in lebanon so he was flying to lebanon organizing this writing camp retreat with these syrian refugees um giving them a voice um, about their struggles and because that the plights of those people they're just it's wild right it's wild so he's he was giving them a voice but then he was collaborating with artists from LA so he'd bring the songs back and like I would hop on a verse I hop on a chorus and we'd like be writing these songs together with these Syrian refugees and that's when he and I really connected because again I knew he was good at what he did. I liked what he did. But when you get like on a soul and heart level of this is why we're in this industry together, everything changes. And so he and I started working together um, a ton because of that project that he did. He's now doing a project uh, writing an album with veterans in, in the States. So he's bringing in veterans to tell their stories, which is incredible. And so when I heard Tommy talking about that, because he works with... Um, Creative Vets. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that rang a bell because I know Jay's mentioned that before. So I hit up Jay this morning. I was like, hey, man, do you do you know Tommy? Like, have you all met before? Because I noticed they were following each other on Instagram. He's like, oh, yeah, we wrote two of the songs for this veterans project. And I was like, no way. Like... Yeah. It's such a times like he's from East Alton and like that's basically my home it's like next door neighbors in my hometown right. and so uh, those are called divine connections yes really yeah because yeah I mean Tommy got involved with creative vets and whenever I ask him like what's what are you most proud of I mean he's had a number one with Montgomery Gentry he's written yeah. for Blake Shelton and Old Dominion and Trisha Yearwood and all these people but he's like creative vets yeah. I mean he and he's with Johnny and friends I don't know if I'm saying Johnny. It's Johnny, right? Not Joni. It's think, Johnny and friends. So. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he, he's doing. He was out in New Mexico doing that too. So, um, just like the veterans, it's therapeutic for them. Mm-hmm. So, like the fact that you're doing that, and you guys need to get together because yeah, it's, um, it's he bound said there's to happen like, now. Yeah, there's like 150 to 200 veterans that are on the waiting list to be able to write with singer songwriters and tell their yeah. story, and they're like healing through it, and they're crying in mm-hmm. these rooms. And you know, I, you know, Andy was in the service, and so I mean, you know, I think that would be, and you know, I we have friends. I mean, Griffin um, was in the service, my nephew, and like just the things that they are struggling with, and to have it come out through music um, and write with, you know, someone as talented as yourself, like you got to figure out how to do that uh, with them. Yeah. It's it's now it's, it's in the atmosphere that it's going to happen. So, yeah. yeah. And he did, Tommy did two of the songs for this veteran endure veterans project. So 
yeah, we're, the circles, it's already small. It's getting tighter. So I'm sure the three of us, me, Tommy, and Charlie, will eventually be in a room together yeah. writing music. Absolutely. Sure. We'll yeah. make that happen. We'll happen. figure that out yeah. how to make that happen. So what else? So what else should we talk about? What else? Um, I mean, you, you mentioned Zion and Christian music, and yeah. we didn't really go there. Yeah. So let's let's talk about how you. First of all, you said you were a leader in the church. Yeah. So it Zion um, at that time, I didn't realize I, the church here in town. Um, I guess it was kind of progressive because they were doing a youth led service once a month. And so they would let the band be all youth. I think a lot of uh, what was happening on from the pulpit was youth-led. And so the worship leader at that time at Zion, his name was Harley Schmidt. Uh, I think there's a combination of things. I think he genuinely wanted to pour into the young people and raise up the next generation. I also think he was a little bit like, I could use a break every once in a while sure. from reading all the time. <laughs> and so he would take uh, Nolan and myself up, um, I think it was like Wednesdays after they had band practice. And I remember we would go up into in the loft area, like where all the organ pipes were, and he would just show us like, here's how you play an E chord, here's how you play a B, here's how you play, like he showed us all the chords that are pretty popular in the Christian music world, and then like, and here's how you sing the songs. And so I started leading uh, I think probably when I was like 16, we would do the uh, once a month services and me and Nolan, we had a group of other young people who would lead those services. So I started leading worship then. And at the time, I mean, I'm young, so it's probably a lot of it's based in girls probably think this is cool. So of course I'm going to try all this stuff. Yeah. Um, but then that just really stuck with me because it's, there's, a, I specifically remember I played a show with Train I came home and I led worship that Sunday. Fast forward, I, I was now at uh, First Christian Church of Bethalto, which I think is just Christian Church. I forget the exact name now. Um, I was leading there the Sunday after I played with Train. And I remember thinking, when I played with Train, it was the biggest, I think it was the biggest crowd I've ever seen. I, like, I could not see the back. We were outside. And at that point, it's just a, like, there's not even faces anymore. Like, mm -hmm. there's no connection. It's just right. this. And so I had that moment. And then I go and lead worship, and at the time, like, maybe 75 people in the room. And I just remember thinking, like, this is, like, these are the moments. Like, mm -hmm. train opening for them is cool. It's really great that tens of thousands of people heard me sing. But leading people in a room, having collective voices, like, singing out for one purpose, um, I just, I had a moment of, like, this is something, like, I will have to do for the rest of my life. Because this is... This is just different. And I was I was still young and like trying to figure everything out and the purpose of why I was doing what I was doing, but I that I'll never forget that moment of getting on that stage at the church that Sunday morning. It's like I feel that what I feel inside right now is it's night and day different of what I felt on a stage in front of all these people. So it's intimate. Yeah. 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 And just knowing you're connecting, like allowing space for people to experience God in the moment in a, like a tangible way, uh, there's, it's, there's just nothing like it. And so I've been leading worship since then. When we moved to California, I took the job at uh, Real Life Church, and I still lead almost every Sunday. I'm playing, there's a couple churches that uh, I kind of help out. Because right now, it used to be you'd have a worship pastor on staff, and I don't know what it's like across the country, but in California, in LA specifically, that area, um, being like a worship pastor on staff full of time is kind of a dying breed. 
um, a lot of times they're just contracting people in and getting help. They'll have maybe someone who's overseeing it all, but they might not be the person. So I've been helping out at a couple of churches who that's how they operate. They kind of have a different leader mm-hmm. in. They have like a rotation of four or so. Right. And so every weekend they're getting a new leader. And so every Sunday I'm still leading worship at a couple of churches, West Valley Christian Church and uh, Shepherd Aguadulce. And um, yeah, that's something that I just, like I, I will. I don't think I'll ever stop doing. It's just keeps you grounded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our church is actually looking for a new pastor, so that's okay. kind of what we're doing too. Is just kind of having somebody different every time. You know, different music and um, different worship um, leaders and mm-hmm. uh, different pastors coming in until they find someone. But yep. I, for me, I always feel like I, there's something about you know it's not a big production mm-hmm. and it's so intimate and I feel closest to God when I'm there yeah. and I know that every bit of money that I'm giving is making a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I know that there are you know and there are these big churches, you know, huge um, churches or whatever. But um, and there's something to be said about that. I'm sure I right. have like amazing music and everything but there's also something to be said when it's just like you you feel it like you just you feel close and you mm-hmm. feel the spirit like working through you yeah. and you get emotional like you send you know start singing some old christian hymns oh, yeah. and do yes. you guys still sing like the old stuff uh, and the mixture of the new stuff occasionally or? we will yeah i i would at one point in time uh we were trying to like tag a hymn at the end of the set like going to how great their art or something like that um so it gets in there but not as much as as it could because there is something to be said about those old hymns and the the lyrics obviously the melody and production might be outdated but yeah the the words of some of those songs are just beautiful what's your favorite um christian song Oh, that's a really, really great question. Uh, I think right now, uh, what is this song called? Uh, he, 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 Firm Foundation. That's what it, it's Firm Foundation. I think parentheses, he won't. Uh, that is, I think right now, my top, my top favorite song. It kind of changes uh, different seasons in my life, things that impact me differently. Mm-hmm. But right now, that's, that's the top Firm Foundation. I could put you on the spot here and let you sing just a little thing because I know that you're saving your voice for Locks Brick House today, mm-hmm. but you know you are a singer songwriter and from LA. And if you don't sing some like <laughs> just like maybe like a 15 second little clip of your favorite, you gotta hear. I gotta hear your voice. That's true. That's true. Uh, should I sing one of my own songs? Sing whatever you want. Let's see. Uh, but I gotta. I'm gonna show this picture because this. You look like. Um, Who's um, Adam Levine? I feel like you look at like Adam Levine on this picture. Like that is a cool LA picture. Johnny De La Mora, he's the photographer. He took that one. That was right after a rehearsal in LA, and I think I was just sitting on the edge of the stage, kind of like taking a break before I loaded everything up. And he's a great photographer. I had him in the room, just getting some candid shots everywhere. And then I sat down. He just grabbed my face. Well, there's this other one here, and you're like in a jumpsuit. And oh, you yeah. look super L.A. in this picture. That's the studio in L.A. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And then this one is on your album oh, cover. Yeah. yeah so that, that looks act- your Christian music, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually don't have any Christian music oh, okay. r- released. So that one was, um, I recorded a song called Call It Home. I mean, a lot of it has undertones. So if if you know, if you're in that world, you would catch some undertones in my music. Um, 
but that one specifically i shot a video uh with the crew at whole street productions and so that's a screenshot from the video because the cameras they were using for that video were outrageous so the screen grabs from that music video okay i'm using a lot of those because they look really great yeah like they do that looks yeah. really cool um you're totally legit yeah I've, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay but what song do you want to like just sing it you you don't have to sing the whole one i know you were going to save your voice yeah i'll sing a little bit of my song hold you okay that's been my uh i released that song in 2018 or 19 i think and it was one that i was a little nervous to release i'll, I'll probably say this at the show tonight so you're gonna hear it twice uh but it had like a little bit of r&b undertones and you know a white kid from bethalto illinois and yeah. so uh like r&b uh could feel like a fake a faked thing from someone like myself uh so i was really nervous to put this song out i mean it's not even close to heavily r&b uh, but i eventually decided like no I, like i believe in this song it is from my heart it is exactly who i am and so i'm releasing it to the world and so it's been my most streamed song it's done over a million streams on spotify uh, it's done really well in the licensing world and tv and film so uh yeah this is a special one to me Okay, I'll and now, you. do you need a guitar? I have a guitar in back there if you need it. Or, I mean, it's up to you. What, I'm totally well, putting you right on the spot I know, on you this. Are. Like, I love that. This is because the podcast with Tommy, I think you said, isn't this the one you said not to do? Well, yeah, and now I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> right. But you might want to throw that mic. Well, I don't know if you want that microphone on there. I think it'll pick it up. I really just want it for the tune, for the, so I have the right note. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna have to tune. You're like, no, it's not tuned. No. Good enough. Okay, that's fine. I'll just sing it. And there ain't no sunshine like they say. Every time she's gone away, I think I wanna hold you. I think I wanna hold you. And I'm losing sleep here in LA. Thinking about them good old days. I think I wanna hold you. I think I wanna hold you. That's the chorus to hold you. Wow, yeah. your voice is amazing. Oh, thank you. So beautiful. Thank you so much. Thanks for doing that. That's like I totally put you on of the course. spot. Of course, no, that. it's all good. I mean, <laughs> that's that's what I'm. That's what I do for a living. So I have to I have to be prepared for those moments. I like it. Yeah. So you got. Let's talk about. Um, just to kind of wrap up, yeah. I know that um, you've got a new song coming out, right? Or, or it's this um, good thing till it's yeah, gone. Yeah, so okay, I, latest song. Yep, What's your latest? I song? just released that one a couple of weeks ago. I think it's been about three weeks now, and that that's a song is it's interesting because the writing process for me is pretty like I have a kind of a typical routine when I'm writing music, whether for myself or somebody else. And it's always like I just think um, there's different approaches to music and writing music. There's the approach of like we just want to write songs that artists cut and like become massive hits, which is amazing and like obviously very needed. I kind of come from the approach of like I want to write the song with the artists that they really want to write. That they're not thinking, well, is this good enough to be something? Is it the right like perfect? Uh, concept for a song or whatever I want to get in a room with somebody and so most of my sessions will be 
we come in and we just start talking like no how's your day how's your week how's everything going mm -hmm. eventually through that conversation sometimes half an hour sometimes it's an, sometimes it's an hour before we even touch a guitar or a piano and um you will eventually land on like okay we got through the small talk we're getting in stuff a little deeper a little deeper bam like now we found the meat and potatoes and like mm -hmm. that's the thing we need to write about because that's what's been on your mind for the past week for the past month whatever it is you can't get that out of your head you need an outlet for it let's write about that and so like jay and myself at endure like that we love that like we want to write really great pop music we hope it does really well but at the core we want to write songs that an artist comes in and they're like gosh i had to get that off my chest right i'm so glad like i wasn't sure how to write about that i wasn't sure if i could write about that but i'm so glad we got to write about that so that's always kind of that's my standard routine for writing a song this one good thing till it's gone yeah i was writing i had a writing session with Brittany Bookout, who writes a lot of my music with me and um she came in and we just like kind of just at the surface level of life and how things were going and i think she got up to like make some tea or something like that and so i had the piano in front of me and uh, a lot of times when there's like dead space i'll just kind of noodle on the piano and i played the lead line melody which you can hear in the song and it was like this really pretty line melody that i typically wouldn't write music over the melody that i played and she's like, well, what is that? And I was like, I don't know. I was just kind of doing something while you got your tea. And she's like, I really like that. We should write something to that. And I was like, okay, I'm down. Let's do that. And then she said, I had, I had this idea that I think would be a great song for you. She's like, you know that phrase, you don't really know a good thing until it's gone. Like a lot of times it takes losing something to know how good it was. And she's like, I look at your relationship with your wife and I think you already know, like, you're not ever going to have to wait. Like, the way that you cherish her and, like, talk about her, she's like, I think you already know that you have a good thing and you don't have to wait until it's gone. She's like, I think that's really cool. And I don't think a lot of people write music about that kind of stuff. She's like, I think it'd be cool to write a song about that. I was like, I do too. I think that'd be really special. And so uh, we just started writing, which doesn't have, a lot of times it, it takes like the hour conversation to get to what you want to write about. Right. But that session was just like a random little thing happened. She liked it. I liked it. And then she had this idea. And so we chased it. And so that song is just all about, uh, uh, the verses are kind of in the world of, I'm not always the best version of myself, uh, but you still like love me through it all. And through those moments of when like, you're getting kind of the worst of me. You're still loving. Uh, yes. And you're still choosing me and all of that. Uh, like, that's how I know I have such a good thing. And so the chorus is all like, I don't want to dare where I'm living without you. Uh, the chorus really sits on that idea. I don't have to wait uh, until I lose it. I already know I have a good thing. So you appreciate what you have. Exactly. Yep. So your wife, what's she like? She's amazing. She's the best human on planet Earth. She's a physical therapist, so that's okay. what she does. Oh, that's right. So my girlfriend, uh, Sean, who is very, she's had a lot of different, you know, health-related things mm -hmm. that she's uh, had to go to PT for, and she's very picky. I okay. would just say that, and I think I can say that about Sean, but uh, she's very particular. Let's okay. just say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's Which is like, wise. And she told me, she's like, your wife is the best PT that she ever yeah. had. Yeah. That's incredible. So, anyway, be, that's a side note. She'll be excited yeah. to hear that. Uh, yeah, she's a physical therapist. That's her, her job. But what she is really passionate about right now, which has been amazing, and this kind of started uh, throughout COVID, uh, she is a 
quad skater. So like the roller skates, like you would use the Ziggy's with two yeah. wheels in the front, two wheels in the yeah. back. She's really into that right now. But she goes to skate parks and she's like doing tricks on half pipes and stuff. Get and out. She's, she's ridiculously good at it. It's really, it's wild. So that's been so cool. Like there's just something that when you see your spouse uh, like have a passion like that and get really excited about something like that. Some I don't like. I will go to the ends of the earth to make sure she can go to a skate park on Saturday because I see what it does and the joy see that her. it. Yeah, yeah. And so that's been really awesome seeing that over the past few years. But she's just the best human being. I think uh, we're different in kind of the. Um, She's kind of more justice-minded, so she like very much like fighting and advocating, advocating for people in situations where I'm more of like the people pleaser. So it's hard for me to like, yeah, we like take a stand against something because I'm like I yeah. can for everybody. So <laughs> that's like our the way we diff, like are different. But uh, she's just um, she's amazing. She's so incredibly kind. She sees other people so well. I think when we moved to LA, just the way that. Um, knowing as a transplant what that feels like i just remember we would always have people in our home who probably like, didn't have any other people around and she's so like conscious of that she sees people who um maybe aren't the like the popular ones or whatever mm -hmm. it is and those like she just is amazing well that she sees people she's in healthcare, and so you know and as a therapist because i i've worked around a lot of pts and ot's and uh -huh. i think that is kind of in your blood is you're you know advocating but i think it's great that you guys are a little different and you mm -hmm. appreciate the differences yeah um you know andy is very like he loves everything like he just loves to do every single thing he hunting fit you know fishing he could go he's he's uh, police officer okay then but he's also on SWAT um, but he Legit. also yeah and so what's so funny this morning is I was, I was like hey you know why don't you be on the podcast you know and uh -huh. you can help you know help me interview um, Aaron and he's like no and I said why and he's like no I'm not ready for that like social media stuff like no i don't want to be on camera i'm like you literally go out on swat okay right. you're risking your life every single day you know you're it's doing wild. this scary stuff but i'm like but you won't get in there like get on camera he's like uh -huh. no I'm, that freaks me out right now like no i don't want to do that that's but, real but yeah i mean and i think just allowing each other to you know do the things that you love he went to a hunting movie yesterday and like I remember going a year ago and i was like i never want to do this again uh -huh. <laughs> um but you want my brother um but I think even, you know, him allowing me to do a podcast and he's like, you know, it's been kind of nice because I see a different side of you mm -hmm. that's like able to have fun and do something creative and yep. fun. Um, and it sounds like, you know, that you're appreciating that with your wife. Oh, too. Yeah. It was it's like incredible, you know, let her go roller skating if she wants. And then, yeah. you know, and advocating for people. Yeah, that's the other thing. You know, I'm I'm pretty vocal too, and I advocate for people. But uh -huh. you know, Andy was like, "Yeah, you know, tell him this, tell him that." But when it gets down to it, he just he he was voted yeah. like your best friend in high school. Oh yeah, so I'm like he wants to get along with everybody. You know? Same that I feel that to my core. Yeah, to the core. I know. I noticed that about you. I feel like you you just have this really sweet soul, and the fact that is your you must be an empath for sure. Yep. Feeling everybody's I'm a nine feelings on the enneagram okay. chart. Yeah. That makes so the mediator. You want everyone to get along. And oh yeah. And don't yeah. cause any confrontation. Yep. At any expense possible, even to my own. 
I'm a two on the Enneagram, so I'm the helper. Okay. But then my second highest is the eight, which is the top dog. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so, and so is Andy. He's a two, the helper, and an eight, top dog. Okay. So what happens, um, and this is just a little Enneagram side note here, uh, personality trait (laughs) test, is that, you know, when you're at your best, the twos are the helpers. They do the doing. And so, you know, don't get in anybody's way because, like, I... You know, don't ever tell me I can't do something because I'll find a way to bring molten lava down on your head showing you how I did <laughs> right. it. And um, But the twos help each other. They always want to help other people. But then the top dog comes in. And so I think when Andy and I are at our twos, the best, it's like, oh, well, let me help you do this. Oh, you're great. You know, and like we're the biggest cheerleaders. Uh-huh. And then when we both want to be the boss, because oh, like yeah. he's the boss at his work and I'm the boss at my work. Right. So when we come back in, it's like, you're not going to tell me what to do. Well, you're not going to tell me what to do. You know? <laughs> right. No, he's going to boss us around. But I think the Enneagram is very interesting, too. Yeah. So. And, I mean, you take everything at face value. Like, there's great things. And if you put too much weight into it, it could be problematic as well. But it is really incredible for, like, even something like that. I think it's so easy if we're not conscious of things. To, it's, when you have those moments of, well, you're, I'm... We're not doing your way. Like I'm not doing your way. If there's, if we don't understand the roots of that, then that's we just carry and like we put that down here and we store it for the next time. And then we can right. pull it back out and say, hey, remember that time. But if we understand, like, oh no, that's part of as a two, that's uh, that's how she's going to react in this moment. Right. Or as a nine, like, okay, that's how he's going to react in this moment. And so it doesn't make moments okay. Like if I do something that isn't not great, uh, if I don't talk, communicate, that's a big thing. It's like communicating some of the hard things can be difficult for me or things that I think might cause a little com- conflict or something like that. Right. Then I'm just, I'll be quiet about it because it's like, it's easier for me to just tuck it away and try to bury it than to talk about it. And so if there's an understanding of why I'm like that and it's not right. just like, well, he won't talk to me. Right. Like that gives her a better, my wife a better understanding of, okay, yeah, he shouldn't be that. Like, he needs to talk about these things. But I understand why he does because it. that's his that's his personality type. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I used to. This is how naive I was. I'm like, doesn't everybody think like me? <laughs> and then I did the Enneagram, you know, and I realized that, oh, there's the perfectionist, there's the helper, yeah. producer, you know, visionary, and Andy's much a visionary, too. Okay. But let's talk about all these things. And I think if I didn't know that about him, then I would be, like, stressed out, like, oh, he wants to go fly out an airplane, and now he wants to go to Colorado to do this, and now he wants to do sing writing, now he's going to do a podcast. Like, he could think of a million things to do, uh-huh. but because I know that about him, I just know he's just... You know, he's just dreaming. Yeah. And so I don't need to stress out thinking he's going to move away to Iraq now and go do this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, and that's, a you know, having that understanding. And even with the nine, like your personality, nines typically will be like, yeah, the, you know, you think that they're agreeing with you because they're like this. But that doesn't mean they're agreeing with you. It just means <laughs> that, like, you know what? I'm just Keeping not going to share this. Yeah, I want it to, everything <laughs> yep. to be peaceful. Oh, My yeah. mom was a two and a nine. Okay. So I do get that. but. Yep. Anyway, so interesting. It is. It really is. Personalities are, you know, I think it is interesting. It's like, it's not about, um, you know, it just helps you to understand somebody. Yeah, which is very important. I think those are things we're just not taught growing up of how it's like so me, me, me focused. And then, like you said, like we get so involved in it's all about it's me, 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 me. What do you want to do? What are you like? Then if people don't think like we think, then it's like, well, Something must be wrong with you, if you're like right? Because I've got to figure it figured out, right? But yeah, it's so simple. Just understanding, okay, that's the personality, and that doesn't make maybe a situation okay. But I can at least understand 
why it's like that. Right. And getting through the hard stuff, like even that you said, you know, with you and your wife and that, you know, it's, you know, not being all about yourself. And it's so easy. Like you're a L.A. pop star, you know, so like why, you know, you could be like, it's all about me. You know, I'm the I'm the big deal here, you know, but then, you know, to be humble enough to like really work through the tough stuff and having someone that loves you. And I Mm -hmm. love that about your song, just to circle back about this whole conversation is that, you know, the song that you're singing is, like, to love someone, know that someone loves you just for who you are. Right. And, like, even your ugliest, your worst days, and, you know, I know Andy has seen the worst of me, and I've probably seen the worst of him, mm-hmm. but to, like, love you through that and yep. to find someone who, like, you can trust to know, like, you know what, it doesn't matter what I do, um, you know, that this person's going to be there for me. Exactly. Yeah, that's it's amazing. Yeah. So we've gotten into some relationship yes, conversation now. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk. Is there anything that you want to talk about before we kind of wrap up? Or, you know, I don't, I think we covered a lot of the things that I would want to talk about. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think the only thing left is I would love if you're a social media user or if you listen to music anywhere that you do that, it's under Aaron Kellum. Feel free to follow me at any of those places Instagram, Facebook tiktok if that's what you do twitter uh or like spotify apple music following listening to my music um would mean a lot to me so i think that would be great yeah Yeah, and that's exactly what i was gonna ask well perfect so awesome and if you like what you're hearing um just follow me on the see the unseen podcast on youtube uh and subscribe to my channel thank you so much (laughs) 